to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is the Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, Amazon, Audible, all the places you get your good and your bad podcast. You can follow us over on the socials. The Facebooks has got us, Local Bar Media. Localbarmedia.com is a place you can go to waste some time as well. If you have any... Anything for the show, any comments, questions, concerns, condolences, critiques, send those to Chad at localbarmedia.com. Um, it's been, been been off a few weeks, took some vacation time with the families, what we do at the beginning of the summer. Now we're hiking into high gear with some, uh, with some great interviews, some great guests coming up over the next few weeks. You're going to love them. This may... <laughs> This may be the peak of the year, though. This, and no offense to, to my other buddies I got lined up over the next couple of weeks. This, it may be downhill from here if you look at the year as a season. I wouldn't do that. We're barely enough pretty strong with this part. Uh, joining me today is Hayes Carl. I cannot wait to bring you this interview. He was extremely nice to spend some time uh, time with us here. Really enjoy talking to him about his music, what he does. I know we've talked to a lot of comedians lately. Somebody sent me an email asking me if we're going to start talking to musicians again. I got a good mix of folks over the next few weeks, but man, it it doesn't get too much better than this talk I had with Hayes. Um, really appreciate his folks too making it happen. Uh, you know, people ask me all the time, Chad, how do you get all these people on the show? It's because I just ask. But a lot of times, <laughs> I wonder if uh, if the if the if the person I'm wanting to interview actually ever sees the invitation or if there are people, uh, just, uh, don't let them know. Uh, sometimes I deal with people that are kind of, kind of snotty, not hazes, man. They were some of the nicest folks, even reached back out to me when they had to put me off last year, even reached back, followed back up with me. Super nice. You're talking about people that get stuff done. That's probably not a lot that goes by Hayes, uh, Carl's team. So, uh, shout out to them too. And it's a, it's a, it's a good reminder to those of you on Dennis Leary's team who, who still treat me like crap whenever I reach out to you. I'm not giving up, folks. I'm not giving up, guys. If you're listening, I'm sorry. Dennis Leary and I go spend 20 minutes together one of these days. Hope you're doing well. Uh, the family and I took a trip, uh, drove down through uh, the southern half of South South Kakalaki. Through the low country of Georgia to Florida, took a little uh, trip to the Caribbean, had a blast. Kids all had a lot of fun. We all had a great time. It's it's hard, you know. When you, when you get away, it's hard to complain, you know. Mm. People find a way. Don't get me wrong. I noticed that on um, my daughter Brenda and I were were hanging out, and we were walking walking around. That we were on a cruise ship. And it was a beautiful one. And by the way, it's, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you what it is. I'm sure we're going to talk about it on Welding a Family uh, next week. This week, Maria won't be on, but but next week, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. Gosh, I don't know if the episode will come out this week. It may not. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it. If you don't know the, uh, first of all, if you don't know, we do another show called Welding a Family. Marie and I have done it about blending our two families. We have uh, blended families. Uh, she and I both have a child from a previous marriage, and the show is all about the things we come across, the things we do, uh, sometimes good stuff, sometimes obstacles, but everything that surrounds having a blended family in this crazy world. And so the the makeup of our family is this. I have my beautiful wife, Maria. We have two incredible daughters, um, and they're 10 and 12 years old. Bren, the oldest, and I were walking around the ship. And we got to the customer service part, and we we were joking around with them earlier that afternoon because there was nobody in line. It's the first time I hadn't seen anybody in line in customer service at a, at a cruise ship. And so we walked up, and we were just kind of joking around, and I banged on the table. I was like, I have a complaint. I have a complaint that I need to issue with all of you right now, and my complaint is that I don't have anything to complain about, and I feel like I'm missing out because there's a long line here every time I walk by. And they got a chuckle out of it, and Bryn just said, real lightly, she just laughed and said, thank you all for what you do, whatever, we walked on. Well, we kept coming back by, we're like, God, look at that line, and Bryn kind of looks at me, she's like, hey, let's let's kind of stand around and see what people are complaining about. It's like, well, that's, Bryn, that's their personal business, and, and some people do have reasons to complain on a ship, and maybe their bill was wrong or something happened, and she looked at me, she's like, Dad, we've been on three cruises, we've never had to complain about something, I'm like, all right, let's just stand here for a second. But if it gets personal, we need, we need to leave it alone. Um, you'd be amazed at what people will complain about while they're on a, a an incredible – it was the Carnival Mardi Gras, by the way, which is their – I think was technically their largest ship. Now I think it's their second largest ship. They got a new one that's coming out. Incredible ship. So many restaurants. If you ate – we were on a seven-day cruise. If we ate every meal at a different restaurant, we still wouldn't hit all the restaurants. It was – Fantastic. It was great. Staff was incredible. Ship was beautiful. It was wide. I didn't even feel the ocean moving at all. We don't normally feel it that much anyway. But um, anyway, it was amazing. It was amazing to hear. I mean, some of the stuff was legitimate that we listened to in our three minutes we stood there. Uh, but some of it was, was pretty incredible. I mean, if you stand in that line to complain that your silverware wasn't clean, I, I don't think you're making the most of your time on the boat. I think some people, that's just how they vacation. They just they just got to do that. They don't feel important unless they, they do that. I have a funny story about a particular family member that one day, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'll do a show on it, went through a phase of their life where they really felt big whenever they walked in and made a show about, I mean, like original Karen stuff. I don't know. <laughs> that family member would get mad at me if I did it. I don't know. But um, I don't know. Maybe one more misstep at Christmas, and I might, <laughs> I might do it. We had a great time on the cruise, though, and and I loved it. And I love the time that 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 we get to spend as a family. And one of the things that I do, and I don't make a big hairy deal out of this, I just do it. And I don't tell my wife I do it, but of course she'll listen to this show, so she'll know I, I'm up to this now. But one of the things, uh, the little tricks that old Chad will pull is I try my best to organically. Find a way to spend some one-on-one time with both of my daughters when we're on trips. It's easy. Bryn is is my daughter from a previous marriage. She does gravitate towards me as Sterling does to her mom. But it's not like they're afraid to hang out with the other one. We've been we've been married for six years. It's I'm getting close to seven. And um we uh it is uh it's a thing that we 
it's not hard to do, but I, I like to make sure that I get that time. I want to spend one-on-one time with them where we can talk, yeah, just about whatever they want to, but it's, it's kind of a neat way for me to check in because when we are on vacation, when our family is on vacation, we are on vacation. Maria and I did a show about this. People wonder how we're on the go all the time. Well, we are. We're a very busy family, but I promise you that when that camper is set up, when that cruise ship has left the dock, when that mountain house is with the cars parked outside the mountain house, wherever we're going, when we get to vacation time, we all, the weight comes off the shoulders. All of us know, at least at this point in our life, how to relax and hang out together. And I, I love that about us. I spent some time with Sterling, and we talked a little bit about the stuff that she does. And I, I, I got to tell you, one of the things that she did that was phenomenal. Sterling is, is she, she does swim team. She does cheerleading. She does some athletic stuff. It's not really her jam. But Sterling is an amazing singer. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. I am a very lucky guy, and I know some brilliant musicians. And uh, even today, I had the chance every now and then to work with some of them, to hang out, to jam with some of them. Um, I know musicians and, and vocalists that um, just blow my mind. They, they really do. My babysitter growing up in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, was on Broadway for 20 years. She was in Phantom of the Opera, Kimberly Bryant. I did a show with her um, a couple years ago. It was a great one when she when she did retire from Broadway. Um, and she, she was Miss South Carolina back in the day, I think 1988, 89. I can't remember. Sometime back then. And she... Um, she was just, she's an amazing voice. This one girl, Sunshine Jones, I remember her from, from Traveler's Rest. I don't know if she ever did anything singing-wise, but she was a phenomenal voice. I, I, remember, I remember people that, that I've just been blessed to be around, and I learned nothing from them. But I could see people that had a gift of singing at a very early age. I've never seen I've never seen anyone come close to what Sterling has. And I'm not just saying that because she's my daughter. I really mean it. And I've said that to friends of mine, and all my friends that are musicians want to hear her sing, but she will not sing in front of them because there is, it'll surprise you if you met her, but there is a shy side to Sterling. I understand what it is. It is a thing that she is probably the most passionate about. It is the thing that she feels that she enjoys the most. It's those roads, she is lucky to have those ro- roads diverge together, merge together, excuse me. And... um. And she knows it, and she just doesn't want to be wrong on that yet. She's 10 years old. I get it. We are on the cruise ship, and I was talking with her um, before we went into karaoke, and I was like, hey, I want you to sing. Like, you sang karaoke the other night, but I want you to sing. And she gave me that look. I'm like, yeah, I want you to pick a song. I want you to say Sterling, people love the high notes, man. They love the loud stuff. I want you to go perform. I want you to do that for me. Just just once, and don't be nervous. Don't let the nervous thing think that's what you need. Like, oh, my God, I forgot how to sing this. Like, don't do that. And she gets mad when I say that, but she knows what I mean. She got up there, and uh, the room was packed. It was packed. It was, I mean, the people on this ship love their karaoke. And it was a really cool bar, the Havana Bar, really neat. And uh, there's some really good singers that were in there. Bryn got up, did a Taylor Swift song, had the girls over to the side dancing and going nuts. It was great. I got a cool video of that. Sterling got up, started singing. Everybody saw this little tiny, little teeny tiny thing, 10 years old, 
up there just starting to sing. And I could tell she had her confidence about her. She hit the course, hit the high notes, and the place went nuts. And I mean, almost to the point where she couldn't sing. They went nuts. Nowhere near as much as her mom and I did, but they did. They went nuts. We talked a little bit after that about her performing and why she does, why she doesn't. You know, she does take voice lessons now if she wants to get into something else. And her mom and I had a conversation, kind of follow up to that not long ago. And then Brent and I had the chance to talk for a bit. Brent and I were sitting around talking. Uh, we had dinner together, so we had uh, we had tons of time. Nobody around us eating at Emerald's restaurant on there. Oh, my God. Can't recommend it enough. And when we were talking, um, it, it came up. She, she started asking me about Sterling. And we started talking about Sterling with her swimming and Sterling with her cheerleading. And the, the Sterling doesn't have that thing that Bryn has, that competitive nature. Bryn plays travel soccer. She's a great all-around athlete. She'll play basketball for church. She'll play anything. But she's really good at soccer. She plays on the travel team, the travel team here in Columbia. It's a lot of weekends. It's a pain in the butt. It, it can be, sure. But I'm very proud of my daughter. She, she works really hard, and I'm, I'm glad to see her really get into something that she really loves doing. Spends a lot of extracurricular time focused on it. Good player. Never comes out of the game. Um, incredible defender, if you just want to know. Um, she and I were talking, though, about Sterling, and she she was asking me questions. Hey, you know, do you think Sterling's ever really going to open up about singing? Do you think Sterling's ever going to play in bands with you or do her own thing or something like that? And, and, you know, we talked about that a good bit. And I was like, you know, I don't know, Brittany. I hope she does. But, you know, Sterling's Sterling's. I mean, she just is her. She's got her own personality about her. She's kind of a moon child, and I, and I love that. Um, she and Brent are completely different. Um, they are similar in a lot of ways, but they have their own personalities. We pair them different. That's the way it is. Um, Brent said something, though, that was extremely profound, and it hit me hard. And so much that I sat on the balcony that night, thought about it for a little bit. Couldn't sleep, middle of the night. Got up, sat out there for a little bit, looking out at the at the sea and thinking about what she said. Last week, I still couldn't get it off my mind. And it's something that I realized that, it, yeah, it'd be important for Sterling to do, and it sure would be nice if I did it as well. Not only that, I bet it's something that you don't do either. And it's something that we cannot, cannot afford a day to go by without us realizing where we sit with it. More on that in a moment. Right now, I want to bring to you my incredible conversation that I had with a, a one hell of a dude. I mean, yeah, he's a great musician, an incredible poet with the way that he writes his songs. But just the, one of the damn nicest people I've had the chance to sit and talk to in a long time, Mr. Hayes Carl, and I will talk to you on the other side of this break. Jesus and Elvis Painted on velvet Hanging at the bar here every night It's good to be back again Oh, me and my old friend Beneath the neon cross and a string of Christmas lights Lola built this joint in 67 And a boy went off to fight on Christmas Eve In a war 
everybody won She lost her only son Now everything he loved Is what you see Jesus and Elvis Painted on velvet Hanging at the bar Here every night With me this week uh, is a very special guest. I, you know, I get to talk to musicians all the time, and uh, most people we have are fantastic performers one way or another, and, and we have quite a few really good singer-songwriters that are either a part of this show or have been on it before. I don't know, uh, and I'm thinking through my mind, I hope I don't, <laughs> I hope I don't in, in, offend anybody by saying this, I don't know that I've had someone on before ever that I um, appreciate and always have enjoyed every single thing they have in their catalog as much as I do the guy that's on the line with me. Uh, Mr. Hayes Carl has found some time to spend with us today. Hayes, how you doing, man? I'm great, Chad. Uh, that's very sweet of you. Uh, I appreciate that introduction. Well, I mean it because I've been drinking since about 9 o'clock today. I... Uh, <laughs> I uh, I can't tell you, it, it's great to have you on. You know, people talk all the time, singer-songwriters, you're a great performer, you do all that kind of stuff. I've always wondered, um, when, when you get into this line of work, when you get into to, to songwriting, uh, and people classify you as a singer-songwriter, um, is, is that okay? Do, do, do you sometimes wish you were just, you know, hey, I'm just Hayes, or hey, I'm a musician? I, I've never asked anybody that. That's not like an offensive term. to you, know, you got to worry about offending everybody these days. That's not like an offensive <laughs> term to say singer-songwriter, is it? That, that's, a, that's still pretty cool, top echelon. Yeah, that's that's my preferred uh, uh, descriptor, job title. Um, I don't I don't, I'm not a good enough musician to really feel comfortable calling myself a musician, even though I play guitar, but that's nobody's, nobody's paying me to play guitar. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I always want to be a songwriter. And, uh, so that part, that part of it is very much a big part of what I do. And, um, and initially I always loved singing and I, uh, but just for fun, I never thought I'd, I'd have a career at it. Um, but nobody, it was the only way to get my songs heard. Nobody was lining up to cut them. So I started singing them myself along with other stuff that I loved. And, and so um, uh, that's just how I fell into, into that. So I think that's an apt uh, description of, of my job. Now, you, you're originally, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because, you know, whenever you look up or do any research on anybody, there's a, there's a, <laughs> you get conflicting reports. You're originally from the Houston area. Is that correct or, or, or it, not? It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Houston and, um, grew up in a suburb just, just north of there. Okay. So what, so wh how did you get your start with everything? I mean, can you trace it back to when you're, you know, most of us that are musicians played when we were kids, but where did it really, where did you get that fever? Like, where did it hit you? That you're like, you know, I, I'm going to put all my, my aspirations towards this and I'm going to see if it can work. Uh, I, you know, I grew up, um, uh, my mother was a really creative, passionate woman. Um, she was a theater major and, and so she really instilled in me an appreciation of, of musical theater and songs and, and poetry and literature and, um, and performance. She's a, a bit of a ham and, <laughs> and I, I came by that pretty naturally and, and really, um, just loved the idea of performing and, um, 
being on stage, I think was my initial, my initial thing. I mean, when I was in second grade, I had a teacher that I guess I was so kind of unruly that she um, <clears throat> figured the best way to handle me was to just give me a five minute spot to start the class. Um, and um, otherwise I would just be a massive distraction. So she had a little stool and I would stand up on it and the whole class would have to sit there and watch me riff. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I got out of my system and it's kind of amazing that she allowed me to do that. But, uh, um, uh, so anyway, I just, I, you know, I just loved attention like a lot of people when I was young and, and then, um, I was an only child uh, until I was nine and I had a, uh, uh, and both my parents worked a lot. They were, they were gone a lot. So I, I had this, uh, tape cassette player uh that and i had one tape it was a kenny rogers greatest hits tape and um and we didn't have a tv back then and and that was sort of my uh escape and and i I would listen to those songs these like kind of story songs like lucille and coward of the county and the gambler and they were so cinematic and and had so much drama um and were so catchy that that I just kind of went off into my own little world with those songs and, and, and it really gave me an appreciation of songwriting and, and, and what you could, the worlds you could create there. Um, so those were kind of my early things was, was growing up as somebody who, who loved performing and art and, and, um, uh, and then seeking out attention and then finding some things that, that really sparked that for me early on through art, different artists. Do you ever, um, at any of your shows, you ever run into someone who said, uh, who's like got a t-shirt on from that second grade class and said, I, I was at Hayes's first performance ever. Any, anything like that? Uh, no, no old school fans that old school. No, not, not like that. But I do, <laughs> it, that same teacher told my mom that she, at, at, when I, when I was in her class that I was going to be on the tonight show one day. And when I did actually perform on the tonight show, it was really cool to go back to be able to, to let her know. Oh, that's that awesome! Come true, yeah. Wow, that's fantastic, man. That's that's awesome. Um, you're like, like I said at the beginning, you, your catalog is is pretty impressive. I, I think one of the things that really, um, you know, it's it's kind of fitting for you. you know, like when I when I listen to your songs, I don't listen to anything you do. Uh, it's great because it's like I, it, it, it's like I got a buddy there playing guitar, just hanging out. You know, there, there's something very endearing. And it's easy to connect to your music. I think part of it is the musician you are. I think part of it is like what you just said, the way you're able to to craft a story and you really utilize that theater for the mind that um, that music can be. But I also think it's really cool how you've seen success with your self-released albums. I know I, I'm pretty sure that Flowers and Liquor, your first one was a was a self-released album. I know that Little Rock was the first self-released album to ever reach number one on the Americana charts. What, what do you what do you attribute to that? Was there something you did, you know, when you did those albums, was there a leg up you got somewhere? Was there some advice somewhere? Was it purely luck? Was it just the talent you got and it, it got in the hands of the right people? Like, what, what do you think really caused those albums to not only give you a good stepping stone, but to give you that kind of notoriety that early? Well, I had a lot, it's, it's a lot of different things. I think I, I had a lot of luck, uh, for sure. Um, that's, that's a huge part of it. Um, and 
um, and each record that I've done has been different. Like I, I um, my first record, I had recorded it on my own. Um, and then I, I lucked into running into somebody who was starting a record label and, and I was there first he was younger than i was <laughs> and, um and i was his first uh act but he had some understanding of the the business in a way that i didn't and you know i would have just been printing copies and selling them out of my trunk um and and like that re first record did not do well but but it it got me into the world a little bit to understand how how that works how you promote a record and market a record and, and he was able to hire some people that helped you know, just the basic stuff like a publicist or a radio promoter to, to at least get my name on the radar of this world of, you know, the thousands of musicians out there. Um, and so that was really fortunate there. Uh, my second record I, I did uh, independently. Um, um, and at that point, I, I, I met my first manager and, and he and I decided to form our own record label and released it that way. And um, um, but I, you know, early on, uh, I used to read a lot of books about musicians and the music business. Um, again, I never really thought I would be a musician, but I wanted to be around them. I wanted to be in that world and, 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 and that creative, those creative people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, I read about my heroes, you know, to, to see what I could learn and glean from it. It was just, it was just interesting to me. And, and a lot of what I read were, were people kind of getting, uh having bad experiences in the music business business expenses business experiences and and um uh people who were really successful and had done really well had big careers and ended up owing their record labels millions of dollars or losing their publishing or or uh um how they didn't when it was all said and done they didn't have anything they owned and and so there were a lot of cautionary tales there that really informed how i approached um the business side of it and 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 i remember um, I'm, I'm a huge john prine fan he's one of my biggest influences and and i remember reading about him one time saying you know he formed his own record label and uh called oh boy records and he and i remember saying that he went from he sold uh when he went from a major label to his own label he sold a third of the records that he had sold on the major label and he made three times the money. Oh my God. Seriously. Wow. And, and that always stood out to me is, is the, the power of, you know, um, of having ownership, um, that, that, that can have, like, I never thought I was going to be, uh, on MTV or CMT or be a big star. Um, so the, to me, the only way you could kind of succeed is if you kept some control, and ownership over what you did so that's always been a really important thing to me um uh and and something i've fought for uh uh throughout my career but yeah. um you know for them doing well it was just sort of a, a lot of luck and, and hard work and, and getting to meet so along the way that really helped me yeah so i'm interested in that you know i hear that it doesn't matter what spectrum uh, of music you're, you're into or probably any kind of fame that there's so many people that are involved and they have their hands in the pot that it's real easy for them to take whatever they want to out of it. 
And so I'm curious. You said you read a lot of books. Um, what what if you know? I've got lots of friends that are musicians that are trying. They're, they're producing albums. They're doing things. Where would you steer them? Like what what books? Is there a certain person that you really listen to that kind of gave you some advice? Uh, like where would you where would you kind of steer people towards when it comes to learning that aspect of of the business? Oh, um. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think like this this was so long ago for me and like in my teenage years that I was reading about this stuff, but, uh, I'm trying to think what, I mean, a lot of them were just biographies of, you know, everybody from, from Chuck Berry to Willie Nelson to, uh, you know, it was just, you would hear, it was the same story every time Yeah, people were desperate. People just wanted to, to, to get the record deal because that that's what success was, was getting on the radio, getting a record deal, getting your song cut. And, and it took a long time for, for most people to catch up to the idea that, that this was a business and the people that were making the money were the people who owned the stuff. Yeah. And, 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 um, so, uh, you know, there's a, a book, I don't know if it's still around. I think it was called the musician's guide to, to, to business or something like that. I'm probably getting it oh, wrong. Cool. Um, but it, it had a kind of a, a, a breakdown about, um, you know, every aspect of it. But a lot of that's probably outdated at this point. Um, there's a, a, a newsletter, a guy named Bob Left that's, uh, does, um, that's free to subscribe to. And I would recommend it to anyone starting out in, in the music business. It's, it's more of an all over entertainment letter, but, uh, um, but specific, he focuses on music and that's where he started out at. Um, and cause it's changed, the business has changed so much and, and, um, uh, in a way where I'm, I'm probably very outdated. Like there, there are people coming up now that would look at how I do things as obsolete probably. Um, but, uh, uh, I think whatever, whatever, uh, era you're in, if you have an ability to, to retain control of your art and, uh, you know, creatively and financially, um, you're setting yourself up uh in in a good way uh long term and, and and give yourself leverage and and then you know if people come along that can help you you know you can trade some of that in exchange for for their assistance um but uh uh each one of those choices is is unique but i, I just look at it as a as a kind of good fundamental rule is to to hang on to everything you can gotcha um, the hokey question I want to ask, you know, you mentioned John Prine is, is about influences, especially with somebody like you that, that I'm sure it influences so many other people. I'm going to ask it in a little bit different way though. You know, when you look at your career, obviously it's been going on for a long time since that's, you know, the, the immortal, everyone remembers second grade uh, performance, but you, <laughs> I mean, you released your first album. It's been very successful over over twenty years ago. So we're looking at two decades of of producing music and having it being successfully a, a successful career where you're hitting, uh, you know, Austin City Limits. You're doing the Tonight Show. You all that kind of stuff. Where your your influences during that time to keep your um, to keep your music writing so fresh to keep you you know like kind of in touch with yourself. It doesn't seem like you've ever. Uh, expanded into something where you tried to do something way outside of who you were. It's like you knew, you knew like your music is 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 incredible, and you you constantly find a, a way to reinvigorate it and 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 maybe reinvent it in some ways. I'm gonna get to that in a second, 
But but how is it during that 20-year period? I'm sure there were people that were more influential at one time than another. Has it been that way for you, or is it really you kind of stick to the basics of the people that influence you and in, in, in the way you listen to yourself and build off that? What is it like for someone who's been that successful over a 20-year period? Well, I, I you know, I have my Mount Rushmore of people that, that were the ones who lit that fire for me um, long before I ever considered making a career out of it. They were just the ones who, who really spoke to me and, and articulated life for me in a way that just felt that made sense and, and, and fired me up. And, and those were, uh, Bob Dylan, probably first and foremost. And then, um, uh, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, John Prine, uh, and Lyle Lovett. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I think we're the, if I had to pick five of my, my five biggest influences, it would be um, uh, those guys. And, and, um, uh, but then, you know, as I got older and got more into it, um, um, you know, people like Towns Van Zant came up and Greg Brown and, and uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard and um, uh, different people that, that, that really influenced me. Um, and when I started singing and writing my own songs, it was really hard because I was I was just like a bad uh, impressionist. I was doing a, a bad version of Lyle. I was doing a bad version of of Towns or Prine, and 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 I couldn't find my own voice. And at a certain point, what I recognized, I think, is that is that the only thing that I have to offer at any point. Uh, is myself, whatever is hmm. uniquely me. And, hmm. and, and so my job became not to try to do an impression of somebody, although I, I, that probably still comes out sometimes, um, but is to try and find my own voice and share it and hope that it resonates. Um, and uh, so that's what I've tried to do. And, and, and Again, I'm really heavily influenced by people and their songs. A lot of people can probably go through and go, "Oh, that's clearly he's aping Dylan here, or he's he's doing." I've heard Prime do this melody, you know, or this this trick. Um, but uh, and that's a process that continues to go, and I, I continue to try and develop and grow and and keep it interesting for myself. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it, it can be tempting sometimes to, a lot of times to do something that you feel like people are, will like, and you're pretty sure they will like. And, and I, I, I probably fall in prey to that at, at times, but I, I, um, uh, but when I'm at my best and, and, and really thinking without the, the pressure of other people's expectations or whatever, um, uh, that's when it's really fun, and I'm and I'm just exploring it for myself and having fun. And and um, if I can do that and put it out into the world, uh, that, that's my job. I, I can't really control how people respond to it. I think uh, it's funny you talk about being compared to other people. I, we uh, 
like all, all the people I know, there, there's always a saying we're always throwing out to each other. If it's like, hey, that sounds like this guy's like, you know, there's only so many chords, man. I can, you know, I can't come up yeah. with anything that's too unique. It's funny because I, I, when I listen to you, I, I sure there, I, you can probably pick apart if you want to dissect anybody's music and say, oh, that must be influenced by this person. I think some people may think that they may be wrong. Your stuff is just to me, it's uniquely you. I've always felt that. It's interesting to hear you say that you felt like you were doing bad impersonations and then you just kind of um, started just looking at yourself and presenting what you were. I've always felt like in your music, you're incredibly confident in who you are. And and I'm sure the creative process hits everybody. There's moments of doubt whenever you're putting something together. But in looking back over your 20-plus career, it feels like you are, hey, I'm confident. If if I'm confident in anything, it's in Hayes. And that's who I am and that's what I do. Is it where where were you? What age were you? Where were you in your uh, career when you were rock solid in that? And don't tell me that you still doubt it today because it will break my heart because you're one of the absolute pillars of that kind of concrete ideology, I think. Um, but if you have to break my heart, <laughs> you, you can. Um, where were you like in your career where you finally were able to look at it and say, you know, damn it, I'm haze and I'm fine with that. And I like who I am and I'm confident in it. And that's where I'm going to go. How long did it take you to get to that point? Uh, I don't know. I mean, in some ways I got to break your heart because I'm, you know, it's still, I have to remind myself regularly that uh, to, to quote, uh, whatever Smalley from Saturday Night Live, that's good enough. Stuart Smalley, yeah. Stuart Smalley, yeah. That kind of people like me. That's um, uh, uh, but um, I don't know. I just always had this, and maybe it was from what we were talking about earlier, like the readings of uh, hearing how everybody kind of um, could take advantage or how you could just lose everything. I, I, I was always just very scared and maybe some kind of control issue or, or whatever. But my fear was that, that I would get my shot and I would try and do either try and do something that I thought somebody else wanted and fail and, you know, read the room wrong. And then it would be, um, I would have wasted my shot doing something somebody else wanted and not what I wanted. And, um, and and whether that was you know controlling my career or or creatively, I just I always looked at it like I got into this not because I thought it was a good way to make a living. It's not. Um, I got into it because I loved it. I had an absolute passion for songwriting and for songs and and the effect that they had on my life. It was the coolest craft and career that I could possibly imagine, and it was my dream to do it. And if I made a living at that, that was going to be amazing. But but I just wanted to be in the room, and I wanted to honor that in the way that and and, and do stuff that that felt connected to that that early inspiration. And and um, uh, I don't know. I just you know I looked at I looked at Lyle. I looked at Prime, and I thought these guys are not trying to write hits songs or maybe they are I mean, who knows what their what their motivations are but what i what i what i resonated what resonated with me was that they found their own unique voice yeah and I, again i just thought that's all i have to offer so i have to find that that's my job um 
because there are a million people who sing better than I do, who look better than I do, dance better, who play guitar better, who are more charismatic. Um, and I can't compete. If I'm going to drop there and, and do something else, there's always going to be somebody better. But nobody can be better at being me than I can. It's the one thing I can control, yeah. Yeah. you know? So I just always looked at it like that, like sink or swim, I'm going to do it on my own terms. Yeah. And um, and then also I just to, to honor that uh that that craft and that those those people that and again inspired me they they spoke for me you know they yeah. they they put language to my emotions and to my feelings in a way that that no one else had done and and i, I just wanted to honor that and still do like how um and again i don't know if it's one person or a million that that connect or resonate with the song i write but but i feel like that's for me, the job is to try and figure something out to to express it in a way that that is uniquely my point of view. I um I, I'm curious when you talk about uh, people that are connected with you that help you. I know that your wife, um, Allison, sang with you on the all together all together sessions, and I I did I read that right that she's a co producer on you get it all or maybe she's worked with you on other albums what's that like being able to share that creative process with with her yeah it's really special um we we met in nashville around 2003 i think and she uh we had a mutual we had a bunch of mutual friends and she um i was recording my second record uh, little rock uh, here in Nashville and, and um, the producer that I was working with was also working with her and he asked her to come over and sing on that record. And that was um, uh, really special at the time. It was amazing at the time, but uh, that we then were married 15 years later um, makes it really cool <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, you know, that, but that our, that our relationship started out in that way, uh, making music together and, and being friends and, um and so she's just an has always been an artist that i really admire and, and as, as i got to know her and um and got to watch her close i just really respect uh her talent and her approach um to art to living it to creating it and so um yeah i asked her to to um uh be a co-producer on on my last two records um uh what it is and you get it all um because i just i really trust her um creatively and and uh and also she's she has the ability to articulate um like the studio is not my natural habitat and 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 i have a really hard time putting language to huh. what i want sonically yeah. to happen um or even an overall vibe for a record um, you know it's maybe it's ironic because i've use words to express myself, but, um, I can, I can do that in the song with, with time and patience, but I have a harder time, uh, explaining it to fellow musicians or the band. Um, uh, and, and so having her there in part, it was for her taste and her, um, opinions, um, and, in, and her talent, but in part to help me, uh, you know, just to be my translator and, and to help, articulate um to everybody else in the room what i was going for because she understood it we talk about it a lot 
and and she knows where I'm, what I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to get to and where I'm coming from. And, and so rather than me making caveman sounds and saying <laughs> more drone, you know, <laughs> right. she can say, you know, I think think Creedence 65, uh, you know, this track, yeah. um, the, the snare sound I hear, you know, she can find very specific references and, and everybody can walk away going, Oh, I, I have a very clear idea of what we're supposed to do here. And yeah, where they would they would not if it was me running the show i uh i'm gonna get you out of here on this um your last album like we like we were talking about you get it all uh came out a, a, a couple of years or so ago uh two years ago and you know i always try to be careful with this because it's new so i i, I never really want to say something's my favorite um but i gotta tell you and I'd feel dumb if having the chance to talk to you personally like this, I didn't tell you this. I think if it was up to me is one of the best songs you've ever created. It's actually, I think right now, ask me again in a couple of years, but to me, it is my absolute favorite song you've ever done. I think if there's a song that is uniquely you that embodies the stuff you are talking about, uh, and I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Um, I, I think the way you sing, yeah, you, I mean, anybody can judge, you know, their voice to, to whoever's out there. Um, I think the way you sing, that's like the prettiest melody I think you've ever written. And I absolutely love the way the words flow with that song. I don't think there's anybody else. I couldn't pick another person on the planet to sing that song and get the same uh, emotion from it. I, I, I do think it's a brilliant song and a wonderful recording and i i'm just curious where does that song come from for you what 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 inspired that song and where were you and i and i know we're we're pressed for time and we're we're done after this but in a in a in a moment okay. if you could tell me just like where where was that song born out of well thank you first of all i, I really like that song and and uh and nobody ever seems to mention it so i appreciate that <laughs> um uh and, uh, you know, I, I started writing that with a, a guy named Sean McConnell, a fantastic uh, singer-songwriter, musician, producer. And um, uh, I can't remember what we were going to write about. We, it was one of those songs that that um, started off as one thing, and then a line came up or, or a perspective came up, and then we said, oh, that's what that's what this needs to be about. And And so I don't remember where we started, but we're – where we got to was, was um, if it was up to me, um, and that 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 line later in the song, at the end of the song, that um, no one would ever leave, no one I loved would ever leave, and uh, uh, and sometimes as a writer, you hear something or you think of something, and you go, oh yeah, yeah, like that's gonna really, that's a gut punch, or it makes me feel something, you know. And so I got very excited about it, about the potential um, uh, there. And, and then so, and, and it's fun when you have a, when you have a title that kind of can help you help the song write itself uh, because you can just go into that mode. Okay. If it was up to me, if I ruled the world and, and I could make everything, whatever I wanted, what would it be? Well, I'd get to hang out with all my heroes and I'd catch fish all day and I wouldn't have to, slave away writing songs it, they would just happen and um you know i'd drink rum and 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 hang out on the beach and except you know it just kind of it just kind of found its way in there and then um 
uh, I, I recruited my wife. Uh, I appreciate you mentioning the melody there. I, I can't really take credit for that. Um, Melody's not really my strength. Um, uh, but uh, I asked my wife, um, Allison, to help me out on that. And I think that particular melody was her um, uh, her creation. Um, cause I, and I know that because I'll sing it these days and after the show every time she'll go you did the melody wrong <laughs> like, well, I'm, I'm doing it how i originally wrote it and 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 i'm i'm bastardizing the, the version that, that she came up with that's that's actually much prettier but i just always forget uh, how it goes so um so i gotta give her credit for that one um but i i, I appreciate that I, it was a fun song to to write and, and and I got to get my Astros in there as well, which was particularly rewarding. Uh, that's all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's, it's easy to catch that. I, I was gonna say whenever I cover that, I'm sure anybody who covers that song always will probably change that. Not that we all don't secretly love the Astros somewhere, I'm sure, but uh, no, yeah, it's funny. Else. I I I got booed regularly. I played that in Atlanta. Ah, did you really? When we were when we were yeah when we were playing. Um, the Astros were playing the Braves oh, and, um, it was like game five or something. And I'm in Atlanta, um, on an off night from the, I mean, the, the it was uh, in between for the series, uh, in between games. Yeah. And I had to, I was getting into this, to the song and I thought I have to make an executive decision here. <laughs> like, <laughs> am I gonna, am I gonna stick true to my Houston roots? And I, I'm a passionate, passionate, diehard Houston lifelong sports fan that grew up going to the Astrodome and getting, you know, standing outside after the games, getting players autographs and Yogi Bear and Craig BGO and, uh, or Yogi Bear was a coach back then and, and BGO and Bagwell. It's all, it, it was just a huge part of my life and I still follow them religiously. And, um, and I wish I could say that, uh, I, I, I stuck to my guns, but I, I slipped Braves in there and I got the, I got the, uh, um, we were playing at like terminal West or something. So I got the reward of, of 700 people cheering, losing their minds because um, I'd made a Braves reference, and so I took, <laughs> I took the safe play. Um, but yeah, I figured I figured if people covered that, they could drop their own their their favorite team in there, and, and uh, it's a, a blank canvas for for people to put whatever they want. That, that that's funny. I, I have to tell you a story, a brief story, real quick. Whenever so the guy yeah. that does the music for this show is Don Merkel. He's a singer songwriter out of Charleston. South Carolina, and I, I played in a band with him for a few years, and you know, whenever we played, we were, we were a huge band. We had seven guys in the band, and so we're all up on stage drinking and doing whatever. So we'd eventually have to go to the bathroom, like most of the bands do, because they start complaining. So uh, we would just walk off, and Don would always do a few songs on his own, and most nights he would do a cover of "She Left Me for Jesus," and he would always start it. Uh, by saying this song is not mine. If you have any complaints about this song, you can send them to uh, send the emails to <laughs> Hayes Carl. And so, as soon as I got this, <laughs> as soon as I got this interview scheduled, I was like, "Hey Don, I got his email now, so you don't have to have people booing you through your email." So, if you want to boo Hayes Carl because he is an Astros fan or because uh, he wrote "She Left Me for Jesus." And you're in the North and South Carolina area. He will be at the Whitewater Center on July 3rd. Nobody's doing anything on the 3rd. You got the 4th. You got to do stuff with family. If you're in our area, uh, the National Whitewater Center up there uh, in Charlotte, the southern part of Charlotte, I, I have not been, but I've heard rave things about it. Mr. Carl will be there on July 3rd. It's something you could definitely go and check out. And and hopefully, whenever you're around this area, again, we'll make sure we promote you. I'd love to come see uh, one of your shows, man, in person. I have not seen you 
in person ever, and it's something I really want to do. So I'm looking forward to hopefully doing that soon. But, man, I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on, uh, uh, spending time with us, explaining a little bit uh, more today about, you know, where you come from and what you do. Um, and uh, even though it wasn't recorded here, I appreciate you letting me be late because I was calling the wrong number. <laughs> so thank you very much for being so cool with that. And uh, thanks a lot, man. We're looking forward to uh, to to seeing what you do next and uh, really keeping up. Uh, HayesCarl.com is where you can keep up with all of his shows. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you being on today. Well, thank you, Chad. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you, and I appreciate your show and what you do. Thanks, man. If it was up to me The strolls would win the season I'd have every reason To go out and paint the town If it was up to me This life would be so easy Everyone would aim to please me And they'd never let me down if it was up to me, I'd have no enemies. I'd receive the grace I need without apology. And no one that I love would ever have to leave. If it was up. Not up to me I want to thank Hayes Carl again for being on the show Taking time out of his schedule to uh sit around and talk with a joker like me it's uh it, you know I, sometimes sometimes you just um they tell you you should never meet your heroes and the reason they tell you that is because uh you know they'll let you down because they're because they're people and people are just going to bound to do that and maybe the the idea you have of them in your head isn't the way that they are if there's anything else you know all the talking that I, that I do if there's anything else, I, I I hope you get this from from this show. Um, the, the, that that idea that you should never meet your heroes is bullcrap. Uh, Hayes is certainly a hell of a guy and uh, someone wonderful to have spent some time with. I really do appreciate uh, his time and him being so open with the questions that I have. Going back and listening to that interview, one of them was a stupid question, but that's all right. It's sometimes sometimes you can't help but fawn all over somebody. Um, I um go back to what I was saying before uh, the interview. Uh, I was talking with Bryn, and we we're talking about Sterling. And Bryn said, "Well, she said a couple of things, and one of the things that she said that was <laughs> got me laughing. She's like, uh, do you think it's hard to be my sister?' There it is. There's that." <laughs> There's that Alexander humbleness we're all known for. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Britt, I bet it is kind of tough sometimes. You know, she gets a lot of awards and she does really well and she gets a lot of accolades. She's one of the kids, I certainly wasn't this, but one of the kids that always seems to do the right thing so nobody gives her any crap. 
And uh, I was like, uh, yeah, it probably can be. I'm, I'm sure it's it's kind of tough sometimes. And she says, you know, I hope Sterling doesn't ever have to think she's got to be somebody different. I was like, okay, I, I don't. We don't ask her to be you. We we don't do that. But you know, when we have to get onto her, it's that's because she does something just kind of ridiculous, like lean over the edge of the boat. She did not do that. Not this trip. Um, but she like walks through parking lots and forgets to look for cars, stuff like that. Yeah. She's a flighty art. She's very artistic. You can tell she's flighty. Heads all in the clouds all the time, and sometimes she forgets to look both ways crossing the street. I don't know how she's still alive, but she is. Great Scott. Brent and I kind of continued this conversation, though. I, d- I didn't want to shy away from it. And I thought it was I thought it was interesting. So as we as we delved into this point, and me sitting here talking to a twelve year old about philosophy, uh, the philosophy of being a parent and a child, she also said to me, "You know, I think Sterling should always try to be Sterling because I don't think you can ever be good at anything if you're not you." It's easy to hear that and to pat a kid on the back and say, oh, that's that's good. That's good. I'm glad you said that. That's a good point there, Bren. It's another when you turn that back at yourself. One of my favorite parts of that interview was where Hayes said that he was, uh, you know, listening to uh, listening to the, the, the people that were big giants in his life, the Bob Dylans, the Willie Nelsons. Um, and it, he does. He does not. He come on. He does not give himself enough credit for being the vocalist that he is. Sure, maybe his voice is a little raspy. I t- I tend to like people like that. I'm just saying. But I, I get where he's coming from. We can all be very judgmental of our abilities compared to somebody else, or compared to what the studio does to their voice to make it sound. Like, I'll stop. Anyway, um, Hayes is a better. He's a better singer than he gives himself credit for. But when he decided that he needed to be Hayes Carl, I mean, that's it. Look, I love Lyle Lovett. I think Lyle Lovett is way underrated. Maybe not in Texas since that's where he's from, but out here, I don't hear people talk about Lyle Lovett. You put on a live Lyle Lovett. I think he did an Austin City Limits. I turned it on one time, and Maria, there was, he did um, the You're Not From Texas. So, oh, it blew her away. She's like, this is Lyle Lovett? Yes! That's why Julia Roberts in her heyday went after this guy. He's amazing. Um, you can try to be Lyle Lovett, but you won't be a better Lyle Lovett than Lyle Lovett was. Man, I don't know anybody else that can be a Hayes Carl better than Hayes. There's nobody that can be. But it's not just 10-year-old Sterling that struggles with that. We live in a world where we're constantly looking at people's A-reel that they put on their Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. We're constantly judging the stuff that's on our cutting room floor with the stuff that's on people's A-reels. I know so many people that are brilliant, and it's not just artists, businessmen, salespeople. I, I know people that are in a trade that never become successful because they're constantly looking at what their competition's doing or what they feel like they're supposed to be doing because someone long ago told them. 
I don't know how to say this without sounding cheesy. Maybe the best way I can put it is the world will never know the best version of you unless you do it. When Sterling walked into that bar and started singing karaoke, it was uh, This Girl is on Fire by Alicia Keys, by the way. She, I could see it in her face. She was going to be Sterling for a minute. I, I could see it. I know when that child's performing. I know when she's not. She walked up there and said, I am going to roll the dice and I'm going to be me and see if that loudmouth stepfather of mine is right. And Sterling, if you're listening to this from the future, I, I told you so. She was, she was, she was not putting anything out there that wasn't her. She was genuinely being herself and letting her talent flow and look what it did. Bryn is very comfortable in her own skin. She is a preteen. She's about to go through hell. But for this point in these 12 years, that child has learned to be confident, sometimes a little bit much. Uh, she has had stuff thrown into her face. She has cried. She's been upset. And she has picked herself out of the mud. She has rolled up her sleeves and gotten back in there. It is one of the most proud things because I'm going to tell you, I don't think I taught it to her. I just think she knows it. And it's, it's brilliant. And I take no credit for it because I want none. That child has done it herself. I'm 46 years old. There are years I didn't. One of the craziest things, if you're, if you're a fan of this show, I said at the beginning of the year, there are two things I was going to spend time focused on this year. Because I needed to have kind of a meeting with myself that it's time to go in one direction or another. You're running out of years. But there's expression. There's art. There's stuff that I want to do that I haven't. I haven't pushed myself enough to get it done. And I was going to spend this year, particularly these first six months, and use my birthday, which is June 3rd. Thank you for those of you who sent messages, those who have it, mark it for your calendar next year. At that, at that six-month mark, I was going to assess how I was. I was lost. Not in direction. Not in material. I was lost in, in a way that I had lost myself. I realized that I'd let all this doubt and all these other outside actors come into my life and, and make it so that I didn't see what was in front of me because I was looking at the people that I admire or I was looking at the competition when I got up on stage or when I was in a particular arena for, for the things that I'm looking at. And I found myself in the times when I've been trying to write something new, mimicking what they do. There's nothing wrong with getting inspired by someone. I'm not saying that. Inspiration comes from outside of us. That's the point of inspiration. But but making it where we lose ourselves. That's where we fall into the traps. Where are you today? 
Where are you? Are you are you are you living your best life? Your person. You say your name into the mirror and the reflection that says it back to you. You know the two of you are in sync. You've got it together. Congratulations. I got nothing else for you. You you're way past me. Now, for the other 99% of you that are still listening. I wish that for you. I wish that on days that you doubted yourself, I wish that on days you doubted your ability, I wish that on the things, if you were to sit down right now and you pull out a, a sticky note or a piece of paper, seriously, do, do this for me for a second, just real quick. You're in an office, if you're in the car, don't. Um, but wherever you are, take just a piece of paper. No one else is ever going to see this. Take a piece of paper and write the numbers one, two, and three on it. And without thinking, without spending time in deep thought, no, you don't have to think to tell your hand, but. Write down right now three things you wish you were doing or had in your life right now. Just real quick. I bet when you look at those three things that there truly are obstacles. There are things that are in the way. Okay. It's not as easy as getting up out of your seat and going and doing the, the number three thing on there. It's not that easy. But I bet, I bet the thing that stands in the way the most is that you forgot that you have the ability to do that stuff because you are who you are. See, nobody else is going to do you better than you. Nobody wants, to, I don't want to see another Lyle Lovett. I got Lyle Lovett. Like, I love Tom Petty. Nobody can do Tom Petty. Tom Petty's dead. There's a lot of people now that do Tom Petty tribute. Uh, shoot, my band covers a couple of Tom Petty songs. That's great. I'm not trying to be Tom Petty. I'm just singing his music. I love it. It's good stuff. But I don't need to go out there and be Tom Petty again. I'm glad Hayes Carl did not try to be somebody else because I am so glad that we've got Hayes Carl. There are people out there that want more of you. And I'm not talking about fans for all of you. This isn't just a show for musicians and comedians. This is for everybody. Your, your business needs you. Your family needs you. Your wife, your husband, they need you. You, that version of you that's the best. Your kids need you. I wish it was that easy. I wish I did it all the time. In a world where we seem to be losing our humanity, I think one of the ways to get it back, if we can, is for us to remember that we don't need to be somebody that we're not. We don't need to pretend to be someone that we're not. We we need to be us. Don, our buddy Don Merkel that writes all the music for this show when Hayes Carl had not taken the spots. Uh, Singer-songwriter out of Charleston. is a beautiful song. It's all right the way that you are. It is all right the way that you are. And it's all right for you to be who you are. And the world needs you to be it. So... If there's a challenge for you this week, 
It's to sit down in some time and thought with yourself. Are you really in touch with who you are? Are you presenting that to the world? Are you letting that be? Are you letting your individuality, are you letting what you think is great about yourself get out to the world? Are you hiding it because you're scared, because you're like a 10-year-old with stage fright that hadn't realized yet that the crowd loves the big notes, man. They love what you have inside. They want to hear it and see it, whether it's through music or acting or comedy or something like that, whether it's through your ability to keep a team in line, whether it's for you to create, whether it's for you to keep accounting where it needs to be, that personal touch that you have, wherever it is in your life, whether you're teaching or preaching or what you're doing, is the world connected to who you are? Because that is the only thing that's going to connect you to others in the way you are meant to be. We don't receive the message unless we're open to receive it. You can't receive someone else's message if you're not being who you are. Your cynicism, the jadedness gets in the way on the message going out as well as the message coming in. So my challenge this week, Sit down with yourself. Think about it. And I'm doing this too. Because if I could wish for anything, it would the world would see who you are. It sounds scary to some of you, but the world would see who you truly are. That you would feel comfortable in being who you really are. And you're putting your spin on it. Not trying to sound or be or act like somebody else. Being who you are. That's my wish for you this week. So go do it. I wish I could do it for you. But it's not up to me. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, Send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com. So different.